like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather, and I'm laughing because Sam Balch is the co-host, and she's making Hello. goofy faces and dancing and stuff. I always do. And I have a new <laughs> microphone. Please comment on the <gasps> Oh, my sound. gosh. That's the snowball. You have the snowball. the snowball. Mm-hmm, Props yeah. to my older brother who didn't need it anymore and sent it to me. Nate, uh-huh. you'll never hear this, but know that I thanked you. <laughs> that's a good one. I, that's what I had before I got this, this thing. The Ooh. Yeti, I guess, is what I have now. The Snowball's a great one. She's a cutie. We'll see. Yeah. So um, I hope people are listening still. <laughs> they probably didn't tune in to hear us talk about our microphones. Right. Maybe we'll get like a sponsorship out of it or something. That'd be great. So anyway, Sam and I are going to talk about early childhood stuff. Our favorite thing. Our favorite thing. So we're going to start with this quote. Um, It's Mike Huber is the author, and it's from an article called Power and Consent in Preschool. And it was published in Child Care Information Exchange year-ish or so ago. Yeah, not too long ago. It's relatively recent. Yeah. Um, So it's a a short article that packs a punch, I think. Um, But what, what I pulled out of it for this conversation was this quote. Um, it's important to realize that whatever the teacher does, it's a choice the teacher makes and the choice sends a message about what the teacher considers important and how the teacher views the voice of the children. So, I mean, just sort of contextually in, in the article, I think he's talking about taking a walk with children and they want to stop and look at the ants and the teacher has a choice in that moment to, um, to follow that child's idea or to move on with her own or his own idea. Um, so that's sort of where this is coming from. But, um, but as Sam and I said before I hit record, we'll probably meander a little. We tend to. We, sort of we, tend, we tend to do that. So, um, so, so I like that quote because it's one of those things that is so universal. Um, mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, I see so often and not say at the beginning, not with like malicious intent, but just right. we've, teachers are thinking about getting from A to B. The children are thinking about the ants along the way, and then we're faced with a choice. 
Um, and it, it shows what we, what we choose shows what we value. Yeah. And, and when, sends when, a message. When you sent this quote to me, cause I had already read the article. Um, so I was really excited to see this quote come up again and I kind of jumped on it. I was like, did anybody claim that? I want it. You did. Um, for me, I think about it in this idea of choices teacher make choices teachers make in two ways. I think about um, sort of the everyday routine choices that teachers make. So the choice to have a morning circle, the choice to do calendar time, mm -hmm. um, et cetera. And then the choices you make in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think they're two different conversations, but they do complement each other because a lot of the times I feel like we can spend too much time on one or the other, mm -hmm. like thinking about the choices we're making in the moment all together, all the time, never thinking about what we do as a whole in our day and what our structures and our rhythms look like. And at the same time, we might get so caught up in our structures and our rhythms, we never think about stopping to look at the ants. We never think about- right. Because it's playground time right. and we've got 20 minutes out there before the next group gets it. Exactly, so we gotta go. <laughs> we gotta get out there. We gotta go. <laughs> um, but I see, I mean, I see that happen a lot with like, the kid wants to run his hand along the wall while they're walking down to the next space or um, uh, they're not quite done with snack, but everybody else is done with snack, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, so without, I guess without, cause we could come up with examples forever and ever. Right. Um, so, so let's talk more about the messaging. Yeah. Um, because I, I don't think a child is saying, Oh my gosh. Miss Heather chose getting from A to B and not the aunt. And mm. that means she Ms. doesn't Heather value me. Miss Heather hates me Ms. now. Me. That's, you know, we're not, that's not what's happening, but it's like oh. the cumulative effect of having your ideas dismissed right. exactly. over time. That's, that's exactly, I really like that phrase, the cumulative effect of having <laughs> your ideas dismissed over and over. It's, it's that idea of if some, if, you know, in elementary school, every time you raise your hand, you're told your answer is wrong. You're never told how you can improve your answer. You're going to stop raising your hand because mm -hmm. it feels crappy. You don't want to feel <laughs> crappy. Everyone wants to feel good. So when the thing you think is going to make you feel good doesn't, or you're told we don't have time for that, you're going to start to shove that aside. You're going to start yeah. to stop asking to see the ants and we keep coming back to these ants because I really like that imagery. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's, really, it's a really nice visual image because I can see that happening. Yeah. And you'll stop asking to do that. And the teacher might then think, great, you know, now we're getting to the playground on time. Yes. Great. The question then becomes at what cost? Sure. And then probably praising the children right. for, for improving their skills of walking from A to B. Yeah. Um, but that at what cost is an, is an important yeah. question. And let's, let's be clear, there are times when you have to say, like, we cannot stop and look at right. these ants. We have somewhere to be. Right. I hear that this is interesting to you. Let's <laughs> come back another time. Or yeah. let's find a book about ants that we can read in the classrooms. I don't know when we're going to be back in this exact spot again. Uh-huh. So or whether the ants will be there that right. next time. Really, like we say so many times, um, it all comes back to this point of connection. Uh -huh. I feel like if, if this child has asked to see the ants and you just immediately say no, you completely disconnected it. If you can't say yes in the moment, you can still find the connection. Mm -hmm. That is really interesting. I wonder why they're doing it. Let's talk about it on our walk. Tell me more about what you noticed. We can't mm -hmm. stay here because we're in the middle of a street. 
(laughs) walking and talk about it. Yes. Valid example of a time when you got to keep walking. Keep going if you're in the middle of the street, metaphorically or literally. (laughs) Um, So so I want to stay with that um, at what cost question for Mm -hmm. a little bit, um, because I think about... um, with this quote in, in particular, but really with the whole article, um, I think about uh, Eric Erickson's stages mm-hmm. um, and these, you know, the, I'm imagining these children are two, three, four years old um, in, in this kind of a scenario. And that's right. certainly who I'm thinking about. Um, and, and they're working, a lot of them are working on that um, initiative versus shame and doubt. stage. And so if they're repeatedly being given a message that the initiative you take with me is, is not valued, um, then, then we're not. And, and let's be honest, Eric Erickson's in every child development, early childhood textbook we've ever read because the first chapter always covers all the theorists. Um, we're, we're not, uh, fully embracing the, mm-hmm. the sort of theory and history and philosophy that we say that we're basing our work on if when it when something that basic isn't apparent yeah i, yes. I mean maybe I think that was harsher than i meant it to be but but, but I, I, think I think we have to take that point. i almost think that's that's an even separate conversation is is we we have you know the first chapter of these books is all about this this these theorists and the practice that we can mm-hmm. gain from these theorists and then we just kind of say, well, screw all that. <laughs> Here's the laminated stuff you need. <laughs> right, right. It's a very uh, confusing message. Yes. Um, screw all that. Important teacher battle cry. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so the bigger, uh, sort of the bigger story of the, of the article um, is uh, discussing gunplay and mm-hmm. superhero play and that kind of um, that kind of situation in with in a context of of power and consent with preschoolers, um, but this is something that that I was forced to think differently about um, when I read uh, Penny Holland's book. We don't play with guns here. The uh-huh. idea that the message we're sending, when the only way the, they want to play, is always making us angry and exasperated and frustrated, is um, it, what a weird place for a child's little brain to be. Yeah. Um, and, and from, from an adult perspective, what a strange place for you to be. Like, I do want to honor the people that like myself, I'm, guns make me uncomfortable. I'll say it. Me too. Um, I'm anti-gun in my so, personal life. Yeah. So it is sometimes, sometimes I hear play and I see play and I think in my adult brain, I'm like, ah. but yeah. then I have to, sort of know myself in that moment and remind myself that's not what they're doing. Their play is so different as children. If I apply my adult lens to this child's play, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to ruin, I'm going to squash something. Yeah. Possibly, if not probably to a detriment. Sure. And just maybe reframing this, you know, the ant stopping or the (laughs) the gun playing as, um, children's initiative with an idea maybe that's a helpful helpful way to move forward i think i think that can definitely be helpful absolutely i think i think also um teachers giving themselves grace in these moments Mm -hmm. you know if you listen to this and you realize i'm the teacher that never lets them stop (laughs) with the ants okay 
okay. Right. Now you know better and now you can do better. Here's your chance. Yeah, it's it's hard. It might start with kind of again going back to those either in the moment choices or systematic choices. Uh It might be you don't really have control over the system of your classroom, but you do have control over the daily moments. You don't have control mm-hmm. over the fact that your outside time is from 9.15 to 9.45 every mm-hmm. day and you don't get extra time. But maybe you can decide where the outside time is fully spent. Does it have to all be spent on the playground? Can you sure. take that on the walk there? You know, yeah. where can you make some choices that are gonna show children that you value some of their ideas and their desires? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I, I think just what you suggested a little bit ago, um, a p- potential. It's not this or that. There's a range mm-hmm. in the middle of ways we can respond Absolutely. to those those ideas that children are sh- are sharing with us. Sometimes it doesn't work to follow a child's idea the way that you would maybe want to, or they would yeah. want you to. But you can find a way to <laughs> um, to to at least acknowledge, because otherwise, I think what happens is. Um, if, if there's no middle ground, both are frustrated. Adult and child yes. are frustrated. And yes. the middle ground is so like a happy day. Yeah. So important. Like I, in, in my, my classroom right now, um, the children are in the process of turning our loft into what they refer to as a house. It wasn't a house <laughs> enough when they started playing there. They said it yeah. needs to be an actual house. So we have been making furniture. We've been creating toothbrushes. They are doing all of this work while the teachers <laughs> are facilitating and supporting it. And, um, I'm working with a small group of children that wanted a window and they wanted this window because they said they needed nighttime in this house. Oh, okay. They said you get nighttime through a window. Oh my God. Oh, it amazing. is fascinating. <laughs> and then later on, later on, we're trying to figure out this idea a little bit. One of, um, <coughs> one of my students said to me, well, it's not just the window. You have to, you have to cover everything in black and stars. I'm like, why black and stars? He's like, well, when it's nighttime, nighttime's all around you. Just like, holy shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> this is some stuff. Tell me more. Right, right. That no. is such a great example of Lillian Katz's, Katz's distinction between academic skills and intellectual oh, ability. So good. It's so it's so juicy. I love yeah. it. So anyway, they want to make this window and yeah. they start to tell me just in this little group, you know, like they start to get a little buzzy and they've they've all got this idea and they now they're a little hive mind and they're all gonna start talking about it. And they're like, oh, and you know, we'll we'll make a hole in the roof right above the loft because the our loft <laughs> relatively close to the roof that most uh-huh. of them can reach up and touch it so we'll make a hole uh-huh. oh my daddy's got tools he can come and do it oh so, <laughs> i know as an adult we cannot just cut a hole in uh-huh. the roof but at the same time i know that me saying we're not going to do that we can't cut a hole in the roof mm-hmm. isn't going to be helpful for them it's not going to be kind to them it's not going to show respect to their idea uh-huh. so instead i, <laughs> I said <laughs> Well, you know, we'll, we'll have to ask Julie, who is the director. <laughs> we'll have to ask her. I'll put this off on somebody else's <laughs> values and choices. In the building, go through Julie. <laughs> so if, if we want to do that, we'd have to ask Julie. And then one of the students realized, oh, I, I don't think she'd want to do that. Do you want to ask? No, I don't, I don't think she'd want to do that. <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to think of another idea uh-huh. of how to make a window. And they have. And I've got to, like, get pictures of it to yeah. you, Heather, because it's this piece of cardboard that's two-sided and one side is daytime and the other side is what they call a sunset night. Oh, a sunset one night. One of them talked about how sometimes at night you can see the stars and you can see the sunset. Oh, my is goodness. what it's like at twilight. 
Um, and then they wanted the moon on there, but they realized we can't paint the moon on there because one girl said the moon looks different sometimes. It's not always a circle. Sometimes it's different and sometimes you don't ever see it. Mm -hmm. So now they've created this little part and it's like magnets where they can put different moons on it depending on what they want the moon to look like at certain times. It's the coolest thing. Yes. What a beautiful way to spend your days. It really is. Yeah. So as I've meandered, as we promised. (laughs) We did promise meandering. Um, Like there are so many places within that where the children are talking about things they want to do and the choices they want to make. And I am also balancing what I know as an adult Mm -hmm. and trying to give them the space to grow their ideas and not shut them down in a way that shows them I don't value their ideas. Mm -hmm. So like the wind, like the cutting a hole in the roof, I value all their ideas. (laughs) I know that idea ain't going to fly, but I still want them to know that I valued that idea. That yeah. was a valid idea, which is why I didn't straight up say, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Or laugh at them. Right. I mean, or laugh at them. Or and, tell them that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because yeah. Is it like, is the cardboard thing they've made actually a window? Well, it's not like the window that's next to me in my apartment, but it is a window. And <laughs> the best, like, I owe it to them to show such profound respect for this idea that they've had. Mm-hmm. Because that's the that's what they're doing with it. They're showing it this yeah. gorgeous amount of respect and time and energy. And you know, I that's that's the choice I'm making uh-huh. is to not make a window for them not, and put it up the you know after they leave and the next day there's like this piece of paper with a window on it that I've drawn. Because yeah. I bet you could find some awesome ideas for painting windows on Pinterest. You absolutely could, and they're not really bad. Yeah, but that wasn't, yeah. And I, that's such a, a, it's a really good example of um, what Mike Huber calls at the end of this quote, the voice of the children. Exactly. Um, so like the children you and I are working with now, most of the time that age, they can use their voices and tell us mm-hmm. what those, what those ideas are. Sometimes it's not their verbal voice. I don't know what it would right. say. Sometimes it's a way that they respond or act or that their body is showing you what their idea or what their voice wants to say. Yeah. Like going back to that idea of, um, gun, gun play. I just said gun play, gun play, but gun play works too. I don't know. Um, like that, this gun play idea that the um, article really focuses on if, if the child is showing you like they're biting parts of their sandwich off and they turn the sandwich into a gun, if they use their fingers as guns, if they use their blocks as guns, <laughs> they are showing you, although they are not telling you, I want to play with guns, mm-hmm. they are showing you there is some need here mm-hmm. that I really want to express. And the only way I know how to do it is to keep doing it. So I don't care if you tell me there are no guns in school, I'm gonna find ways to do it. <laughs> And that, that's, I wanted to like give that as an example of like how a child's voice might show up without yep. their explicit verbiage. Yes. Yeah. Or um, getting up and leaving something that you they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like I, we've, we've got a couple of wanderers who during our, uh, we have just like a short 15 minute, we read a story together. We sing like three songs that they choose. And um, then we move on to the next thing and we call it community time. Um and we have enough adults that there can be like a lot of snuggling and, you know, it's, it's a nice situation, but, um, but we have a couple wanderers that's not for them. So they get up and they wander off and, 
um, it's safe for them to do that. Um, but what they're telling, what their voice is telling me in that moment mm -hmm. is that um, either the story is not interesting or they're crowded or um, they just need to move a little bit. Like they, they might not be able, like, I'm not going to say, um, what's your body telling me right now? Like what, what does your voice want to say? <laughs> but because I have relationship with them, because I'm a pretty good observer of children and because I have a little bit of child development knowledge to back that all up with, mm -hmm. I can hear their voice in that moment, but it's a choice. Well, that's how you that say I make. a little bit of child development knowledge is if you don't have a master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> She's full of knowledge, people. Full. I'm full of, full of it. And I, I want so I want to point out like this moment as that example of the teacher's choice showing what they value mm -hmm. because in that moment, and I know there are teachers that do this. And if you are a teacher that does, does this, I'm not trying to put you on blast. So just stick with me here. Hold on. Um, in that moment, I know teachers that will say, oh, it's community time. You need to come back with us now. Yeah. And in that moment, that choice that you have made to say that to that child says, what your body needs is not as important as what my schedule needs. Uh-huh. So yeah. And then you know, the layers of messaging that are underneath that as an adult, you get to tell the children what's best for them. Mm. Um, you know, if their body's telling them to leave, maybe they can't trust that messaging. Like there's all these layers of like what mm. comes after that. Right. And it all and, kind of jumbled into one. Yeah. And brings in that, that other element of, of the article, the power piece. Mm -hmm. Children have very little power. And I, I say this all the time to people that I work with. Um, and I'm sure I've said it on the podcast a million times, but um, we have to find every little way that we can to allow children to experience power um, because, because they just don't have a lot of it. They, yeah. And, and, you know, some of that is because it's not quite safe for them to have all the power yet right. with their level of experience on earth. Exactly. Um, but, but we have to think about, okay, is it really that big of a deal that he wandered away and wants to sit on the window ledge instead of on somebody's lap in this group mm -hmm. with me? Um, right. No, I can give him that power. And yeah. then maybe when I do need to have the power, <laughs> yeah, then it's, then it's, uh, then it's less of a fight. Exactly. And then it's not this chore. It's not, it's not so frustrating for the children because you've built up this relationship with them mm -hmm. that you trust what they need so they can trust what you need. Yeah. When it's time to leave because there's a fire drill, they can trust that, ah, yes, getting in line is a good idea because Miss Heather has said it is a good idea. And I know that when she says things, she means it. And I now know I am following her instructions right now and later I will be able to sit on the windowsill. <laughs> You know, that's exactly oh how four-year-olds think in their brains. That's so. right. So <laughs> I'm going to totally meander now and tell you a fire drill story. Ooh, okay, yeah. So um, we are in a university building with mm -hmm. several floors of university students and professors doing things. And one of our little boys pulled the fire thing one day last year. And so it went out. We had to evacuate everybody. We're all standing out there. The firefighters come. And I said it's probably not a real fire. Like I saw this four-year-old. And so he was like, chest puffed out, you know, he's like, well, could we come in and have a talk with your children? I'm like, sure. So we sat the kids down and these firefighters towered over them 
and pointed to the fire pole on the wall, which none of them had really ever noticed before and gave a long lecture about how serious it is that you never touch that. And every child's eyeballs was glued to that thing for like three days. Talking about power. (laughs) Right? Right? You mean I can empty this whole building with one little... (laughs) Just one pole and I can cause all of this. And the fire truck comes? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> don't tempt me but like one little boy stood up from the group while the firefighter was talking and was walking towards it like it was drawing him <laughs> and i was like no you can't touch it and he's like can i just rub it a little <laughs> I was like, no you can't you can't do anything with it get back over here <laughs> you, can't, you can't do extra listening to this whole scary firefighter admonish you you can't do anything with that right Right. What so kind of power he has. that was sort of a story of consent and power. I guess oh. we could, we can make that connection, but I just love that, that image, remembering all of them just staring at it. And then the one little boy, like, like it was a right. tractor beam. Right. Same, <laughs> same thing happens when you say no guns at school. Typically, sure. You get yeah. everything and they're like, Oh, that, that could be a gun. Yeah. You say oh. there's no guns. I see guns everywhere. <laughs> Gun. I got two guns on the ends of my arm, <laughs> and they'll like you know, pointing. Yeah, I was just pointing. Yeah, Why are yeah. Children like to lie and not, right. not you're not teaching them, you know, explicitly. But sure, that can happen too. I think I think yeah. the article actually mentions that. Everyone read this article, right? That's what's like. And you know what? The good news is, I think maybe he's writing a book based on this mm-hmm. article. I don't know if I was supposed to say that out loud. Then, uh, then this part on. of the podcast might just be blank noise. Yeah. So, Mike, don't listen to this part. Oh, or we'll just edit it out. We've got to like just cut back to us. <laughs> I don't edit anything out. If I didn't edit the cough drop falling out of my mouth mid sentence, I'm not going to edit quality that episode. Out. Anyway, I'm excited about that possibility of maybe there being more of this. About that possibility. Yeah. A lot of reading to do. Yeah, I know. Well, I. What else? I'm trying to think. Like, I, I, I always think like when when we talk about stuff, I always want to think about the person who feels like they've been personally attacked by us. <laughs> I know it's like this cycle of coming out strong and then saying, "But, but we know you're okay." <laughs> yeah, we know. We know you're doing your best. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess like, like again, it, it, like there are these two kinds of choices, right? Like these big systematic choices or these little in the moment choices and. You definitely have control over some of them. Mm-hmm. Probably some of a little bit of each. Mm-hmm. You probably don't have total control over everything. If you do, that's cool. Um, sure. So I, I guess my advice would be, and something that I did and still continue to do, is starting with the in-the-moment things, especially like reactions to things, mm-hmm. like asking to be stopped to look at ants, or like, like here's a personal example student today and she's been doing this for a little while um has she's got like you know like a hangnail like, yeah. a, little, like a little bit of loose skin like sure it's not bleeding no but they They're, hate that yeah but they hate that and it's like, can i have a band-aid and for some reason i'm still trying to work out why and this is mm-hmm. what i suggest you do you think about your own personal feelings mm-hmm. when you react I'm very hesitant to give a Band-Aid when they're not bleeding. Do you know what? I had that today. There was like a little splinter that was only stuck in enough to really be hanging. And I just like pulled it right out and she was needed a Band-Aid. And there was like this moment of grouchiness where I was yeah. like, you do not need a Band-Aid for that. And I was like, what will it, would it kill me? It's a Band-Aid. Exactly. <laughs> I figure out what it is in myself that is like anti-Band-Aid when <laughs> 
Like, is there something in my past that I'm like, you need to toughen up? Like, what the hell is this bitch? You non-band-aid given bitch. You know, did I get that? Like, if I give them a band-aid every time they're hurt, are they going to grow up to be a damaged person? Like, <laughs> probably not. Honestly, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You run out of budget for band-aids. Well, then right. you tell the kids you didn't have any more money Wait, for the band-aids. No band-aids. You want a wet paper towel? Like, <laughs> that can help. Right. So the, the, the long and short yes. of this is um, my advice is that when you do things in the moment, even if they're these like very mundane things you do all the time, just think about them mm-hmm. and why you're doing them. And like me, you might not come to a disi- like mm-hmm. some sort of judgment about why you're doing this thing, why you're making the choice you're making immediately. Like I'm still trying to work out this Band-Aid thing mm-hmm. in my head. I'm like, why, why is this, why is this a weird thing for me? What will happen? Like I, I plan to the next time she asks me for a Band-Aid, just give her one. <laughs> like that's my plan. I'm, I'm going to go against what my like veins are telling me no don't give her a band-aid i'm like hi i gave you a band-aid and i'm just gonna see what happens because i i, I just think that's gonna be very liberating for you i, I hope, think I you're really, gonna have a whole experience i hope so i hope we do an entire episode about my experience <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to your band-aid yeah uh, so your band-aid story examining yourself in these little moments and thinking about what is it that's telling me to make the choice i made it mm-hmm. is, is it um some book i read is it the way I was taught when I was in school? Is it the way I grew up? Mm-hmm. And the more you know about why you're making the choices you're making, the more you can understand the power dynamics behind those choices yes. and also what to do next. Like, yeah. is this a choice I can continue making in the classroom that allows the children's voice to be heard and respected? Or is this a choice maybe I should start phasing out and I should just give the kid a damn band-aid? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, um, you mentioned bosses and and that dynamic a minute ago too. And I think that might be my, my advice for, for winding up this conversation would be to think about the times when you do have power or you don't have power as an employee Um, or, you know, when, how consent and permission factors into that and how would your life change if some of that shifted? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe everything's fine and you're comfortable and that's great. You're, it's going to be a short reflection and you move on, but maybe there's something that you're like, yeah, you know what? If I could pee when I needed to pee, that might really change my whole day. <laughs> right. Free to pee. Yeah. <laughs> For every, every worker in America, free to yeah. go to the bathroom. The right to pee. Let's get that on the next debate in the next oh, presidential yeah. debate. <laughs> I'm going to tweet that. I'm going to get it in the debate. Heather and Sam. Heather and Sam want to hear about P rights. (laughs) Anyway, I think we're done. (laughs) Yeah, we've we've now meandered on. Right. That's I think that is the outer edges of the meandering. Um, So in in summation, read the article because it's great. Great. Uh, Tune in another time to hear Sam's band aid resolution. Can't wait. Resolution for adventure. And thanks for listening to another ridiculous conversation you all are the best i hope you have similar conversations in your own staff room that would be great if you don't just bring us to your staff room sure just just play this just pipe this through yeah on a loop and people will be like wow i'm glad we don't work with them (laughs) never get anything done exactly all right thank you sam thank you all right thanks everybody for listening we'll see you again Hi, people. I'm waving. You can't see me, but I'm waving. He is waving. Can confirm. That's the show. Now go get your nerd on.
been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.